last Sunday I preached a message entitled One Nation Under God, and today I'm going to preach to you One Church Under God. For how is it that God can have control of the White House if he can't keep control of his house? We're asking God to invade the White House, to invade the Congress House, to invade the courthouse, to invade the crack house, to invade the prostitute house, to, to invade every house. But, but how can God have control of all those houses if the one that's supposed to be his is so chaotic and crazy? And there, there was something that leaped on the inside of me in my sermon last week that the Lord said, I want you to go a little deeper because in order for me to have one nation under God, I got to first have one church that's willing to submit itself to me. And, and today I'm going to preach to you and, and I'm going to preach to us. I'm going to step in that apostolic thing, that, this, that anointing that God sits on us. And, 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 and I, I love when God brings things into order. So if you've ever been frustrated with church, you're going to amen me today. If you've ever been tired of what you see in church, you're going to amen me today. And, and if you haven't, then, then just don't listen to me. There's some really great churches that Jesus is building, and we just want to thank God for that. It is amazing to me. Uh, um, the crisis that we see in our nation, the, the drama that we see in our nation, the division we see in our nation, the chaos we see in our nation, the classism that we see in our nation, it's no different than in, inside the church. It is amazing. We are just as divided. We are just as chaotic. We are just as schizophrenic. We are just as selfish. We are just as whatever it is that you see that divides us as a nation. You see it in the house that is called the house of the Lord, the churches of America. I, I spent about five minutes, and I don't recommend doing it, but I spent about five minutes on YouTube looking at the different camps and their perspective of each other. Now, I, I just want to preface this by saying, I feel pretty frisky today. So, so I'm, I'm going to confront, all right? And, and I may end up naming names just because I'm so frustrated by it. It, it is amazing to me how divisive we are as, as the body of Christ. We want to preach a unity we don't want to live in. We, we want to talk about a unity we don't want to be accountable for. And, and, and you see it over and over. It, about five minutes of YouTube searching, and you'll find how much dissension and animosity and borderline hatred there is even in the body of Christ. I find it so asinine and ridiculous to hear a conversation coming from the shin of the body of Christ about how irrelevant the elbow is. Just because we're in a different part of the body doesn't mean there's something wrong with the other part of the body. It would be like you and I saying, you know what, there's something wrong with my pinky, and because my pinky is not important, my leg has a whole conversation with the hip bone connected to the leg bone, the leg bone connected to the knee bone, the knee bone connected to the shin bone, and they all get together and say, you know what, we're going to cut the pinky off because we don't understand the purpose and the function of the pinky. But if you were ever to cut off that pinky, I promise you, you feel it all the way down in your shin bone. And it is amazing to me how the body of Christ is so divisive with each other to the point that I feel like we want to limp into the wedding ceremony. We want to be so broken, so chaotic. This is why Paul said, do not forsake the 
assembling of ourselves. He's not talking about just church attendance, but he's talking about church unity. For in Psalm 133, it's only the place of unity where the commanded blessing is released, life forevermore. And there are people dying when we could be living if we would just get together. We just get together. I was searching on YouTube and um, a man that I have, I have several books for, John MacArthur, I'll name names, I feel frisky. John MacArthur, I have several of his books, several of his books, and in a lot of, way, in a lot of things I agree with him. But he ain't Jesus. He ain't God, he's just a man. He can be wrong. And, and he was sitting in an interview, I have several of his books, John MacArthur, I have several of his books, and, and um, I don't read his books as if it's the Bible. I allow the Bible to be the, the, the CAT scan of everything that somebody says, the filter I use. And, and he's sitting there and he's being interviewed with all of the people that hold him in high esteem as if he's almost not a man. And they ask him a question, says, what do you think about Stephen Furtick? And he smirked, it's on video, he smirked and he had a little sarcastic laugh and he said one word, disqualified. To the body of Christ, disqualified. Everybody in his camp is laughing and jeering and, and cheering and clapping because somebody finally had the courage to say that what Furtick is doing is, is disqualifying. So how does Furtick respond? He writes a book called Disqualified. And we wonder why people aren't coming to the kingdom because we're so dysfunctional. Just because you don't agree with my doctrinal stance, it may not mean that I'm a false prophet given by Satan. Y'all not going to preach to me today, are you? It is amazing. If you and I can't agree about certain doctrinal things, then obviously you're wrong and you're the false prophet, you're the false teacher, and you're given by Satan because it's not possible that I don't have it all correct. That's why here... We focus on the majors. We major on the majors. This is the word of God. It's literal. When he says literally who the sun sets free is free indeed, we literally believe whom the sun sets free is free indeed and that you don't have to stand up every day and go, hi, I'm, my name's Glenn and I'm an alcoholic. I've always been an alcoholic and I've been sober for the last 15 years. No, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Not only can he pull the taste out of your mouth, he can change your countenance and that old life not look anything like you because old things pass away and all things are made new. We believe that. We major on the majors. Jesus is the son of God. He came through the virgin birth. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless, spotless life. He became the only one that could atone our sins. He was the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. He was so important that in the beginning was him. He was the word and the word was with God. We believe all of that, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld the glory of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. We believe in Jesus and we believe he died and he lived for us and he rose again for us and he's coming back again for us. And you know what? If, if you don't believe in speaking in tongues, fine. We don't have to fight about it, but don't call me the devil because I do. Because I can find it in Scripture whether you agree with it or not. And even if I'm a little off, my heart is desiring to go after God. Here's what I'm saying. Just because we have doctrinal distinctives doesn't mean we can't still be a part of the body. Because watch this, unity is not uniformity. The power of unity is in our diversity. Your perspective and my perspective when it comes together, that's where the power of unity is when we can walk in agreement. Okay. So, 
we end up calling each other false prophets and false teachers and devils. And, and then we wonder why God doesn't bless, okay? And, and so this is the way the Lord gave it to me. What used to be an adjective to describe church has now become nouns in churches. So we no longer go to a church that has white people. We go to white church. Then we go to black church. Come on. Then we go to Latino church. Then we go to Hispanic church because there is a difference. And then we go to a Baptist church. We go to a denominational church. We go to a non-denominational church. We go to a liturgical church. We go to a traditional church. It's a spirit-filled church. It's a charismatic church. It's an old church. It's a new church. It's a modern church. It's a millennial church. It's a secret church. It's a diverse church. It's an open church. But I wonder, is it the church Jesus has been trying to build? When you have to create an adjective, what I love about the description of the church that Jesus builds, he simply describes it as a possessive pronoun. It's my church. Okay. Here's all of these reasons why we should be separated. And Ephesians chapter 4 verse 4 lets us know very clearly. It is one body and it is one spirit. So if there's spirits that are contrary to each other operating in said church, I submit to you that it is not one church under God. Maybe it is a church under little g God, but it's not one church under big capital G God. We, we, find, we find this concept in the gospel of Matthew chapter 16. And... I preached a sermon on the spirit of Pan in 2019, never imagining that, you know, COVID would strike and panic would run, anxiety would run throughout. Based upon this scripture here, Jesus brings, in verse 13, Jesus brings his disciples, his followers, to Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi is a very pagan city by nature. It is so open by nature. You can worship anything in Caesarea Philippi. As a matter of fact, there is an area in Caesarea Philippi where you have gods, Greek gods, mythical gods. You have all other kind of gods, and they erect statues and build temples surrounding those statues. And they line them up so that people can come in and decide which one they want to worship that day. Jesus takes his disciples to Caesarea Philippi, to right there where all of these temples are, right where Zeus is, right where Pan is, right where all of these other mythical gods and all of these pagan gods and all of these idolatry gods, all of these gods are lined up. And he has a conversation about his identity with his followers. And he looks at them and says, who do men say I am? And they go, oh, well, some say you're Moses, and some say you're Elijah, reincarnated, and some say you're a prophet. Some people say, and I just want to let you know, everybody's got something to say. Some people got something to say all the time. Okay? So you can't get caught up in what they say because they are always talking. And Jesus looks at them and goes, no, 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 I'm not going to deal with what they say. I, never mind. What I want to know is who do you? Who do you say I am? Now, this word in the Greek is plural. It's not singular. He's not looking at each one of them going, individually, what do you think? Individually, what do you think? He's looking at them. I'm going to go country. You ready? Who do y'all say I am? Okay. Let, let me go Pennsylvania. Who do yuns say I am? Let me go West Coast. Who do you guys? Who do you guys say I am? He's having a conversation with all of them going, I want to know collectively, who do you say 
I am. Peter speaks up and goes, oh, let me be very clear. Since you want to know who we think you are, let me tell you who we think you are. We think you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Oh, you missed that. You're the Christ. You're the anointed one. You're the anointed king. You're the anointed priest. And you're the anointed prophet. You're the anointed one. You're the one that carries the embodiment of the fullness of God. You're the one with the kind of anointing that can raise deads. You're the one with the kind of anointing that can feed 5,000. You're the anointed one. You are the anointed one. You are the anointed king of every king and lord of every lord. You are the high priest that we can boldly come in and know that we can find sanctuary and purity and wholeness in you. You are the anointed prophet that is the very utterance of God that thus saith the Lord of the Lord. He says, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. You're not the son of the dead God. You're not the son of Zeus. You're not the son of Hercules. You're not the son of anybody else. You're the son of the living God, the one who holds the world in the palm of his hand, the one that is immutable and unchanging, always abiding and abounding, the one who holds the spits of the stars in the very thoughts of his mind. You are the son of the living God. I just want to remind you today, he's still the son of the living God. He's alive. He's got so much God in him that he flies around with healing even in his wings. Anybody grateful for the identity of Jesus? The son of the living God. You're the son of the living God. And, and, And Jesus, who knows everything, is shocked by what he says. Oh, Simon Barjona. Let me say it another way. Slick Willie. Hold on, Ray Ray. Heaven. Heaven had to have revealed this to you. You have now taken what was in heaven, and by opening up your mouth, you have released it into the earth realm. You you didn't get this out of a book. You didn't get this out of a college. You didn't get this out of a Bible school. You didn't get this out of what? Heaven gave you that revelation. (laughs) Blessed are you. And he says, in light of this, verse 18, now you're Peter. Now you're Peter. Peter, Greek, Petro, okay, Petro, P-E-T-R-O, Petro. The word Peter, Petro, in, in the Greek, it means small stone, okay, small stone. You are a small stone because you have ushered in heaven's identity into the earth realm. He says, and upon this rock... Petro is a small stone, but when you find the word rock in the Greek, it is not Petro, it is Petra. He says, upon this Petra, I'll build my church. Well, what is Petro is one. Petra, watch this, is a collective gathering of small stones that have been infused together to create a stable foundation like a cliff. You're a small stone, but upon a bunch of small stones that have been infused together, you're a small stone, but upon all of these small stones that have been unified and have been infused together, that have created such a large foundation, 
I'm going to build my church on Petra. Not on Petro. Not on one single, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Not on one single preacher. Not on one single worship leader. Not on one single musician. Not on one single church member that's got the most tithe dollars. I'm, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Not on one single ministry. Not on one single section. I, I'm not dealing with individual. I can't build nothing on one person. It's too small. But if they'll become Petra, if they'll find a way to be unified, I'll build my church on the fact that they have been infused together. And what I build, the gates of hell will not prevail against. I, I'm trying to find things that are infused together. I want a bunch of stones that look like one massive movement. This same conversation he's having about Peter. Now run to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. And Peter says, you and I, we're living Petra. You and I together, we can become the thing that Jesus builds on. Not you by yourself. Not be me by myself, not just the Baptist movement, not just the Pentecostal movement, just not, you don't hear what I'm saying, not just the white church, not just the black church, not just the in-between church, but, but if I can get you together, now that's a foundation that looks like a massive thing that I can really do some damage against hell with. Living stones to build a spiritual house. Interesting though. He says, you're Peter, Petro, and upon this Petra, look at what he says. I will build my, come on, say it with me. I will build my, there you go. I'll build my church. Now, I'm going to take you a little into deep waters here. What this is right here is the law of first mention, okay? there's There's a doctrinal term called the law of first mention that everywhere you see a concept introduced for the first time is called the law of first mention. In other words, God is allowing this concept to come into play, and then he's going to define it as what he wants you to see it as the rest of the time throughout the Bible. When you see the word church, this is the first time church is mentioned in the Bible. And look who said it. Church was not a concept by men. Church was a concept by the word. Uh, Let me say it another way. Church was not a concept by the bride. Church was a concept by the groom. He said, I'm going to give you the law of first mention. Here it is. I'm going to build my possessive pronoun. I'm going to build my church. Not your church. Not the preacher's church. Y'all are not going to amen. I'm going to preach for three hours. And I'm going to lock the doors and I'm going to put our ushers with water guns and shoot you right in the ear so you get an ear infection. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. See, I found that if you just say in Jesus' name, by whatever you say, it's all forgiven because it's in Jesus' name. I hope you get diarrhea in Jesus' name. Oh, thank you, Jesus, you know. It's whatever. This is the law of first mention. And Jesus is like, I'm going to build what I want. To come into covenant with. Mm. I'm going to build what I want to be in covenant with. So let's define 
his church. You ready? By how he defined it. The word in the Greek is called ecclesia. Okay? Ecclesia. Ecclesia. However you want to. Okay? Here it is. You ready? And I wasn't going to give you the definition because I really wanted to preach the definition. But I think it's so important for you to know what church is according to God. So you don't get confused when you see something that looks wonky. Okay? Number one. Ecclesia is a gathering. It's a coming together. The reason we go to church is because to do what God has called us to do, we have to assemble. Uh oh, I'm feeling frisky. We have to assemble, whether the culture is convenient for us or not, whether it's easier to watch online or not. We have to gather, because if you don't gather, you'll forget that everybody who doesn't look like you in your household isn't what the news media tells you they are. You'll believe hell's propaganda. If you're not walking around with your brothers and sisters in holy faith, you'll actually believe the world's going to hell in a handbasket. You'll actually be scared. That, oh, here we go. That you'll actually be convinced that COVID can kill you and God can't stop it. You'll actually believe, I'm not talking about not using wisdom. But I believe, oh God, here we go. We are so saturated with knowledge, we are in a drought of wisdom. Everybody knows everything, but they have enough wisdom to know the real thing. You actually believe hell's propaganda to keep the church from, why? Why doesn't, why doesn't, Hell, why does hell have a problem with the church that Jesus builds gathering? Here's why. Because we're a gathering of citizens. I'm ready to, oh God, here we go. Citizens. Whether you snuck in the border of the United States or not, your citizenship has nothing to do with where you are today. It's the, the church is the gathering of citizens. Citizens of what? The question better is citizens of where? When you and I came into the beloved, we were grafted into the family of God. We took a citizenship that is not of this world. We are in this world. We are not of this world. Now my citizenship is in heaven. And in heaven, there is neither Greek nor Jew nor male nor female nor black nor white nor poor nor rich. There's none of no. We're all sons and daughters. There are no slaves. We are all citizens of heaven. And when you and I, Ecclesia, we gather together, it is the citizens of heaven coming together for a purpose. What's the purpose? Well, look at it. Coming called out of where? This is why you have to get back into your church. Because you need to get out of your house. You need to get out of your house and get into his. And if you'll get into his, he'll get into yours. 
Here it is. We're called out of our houses where? Into Oh, public. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We don't want to. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, no. I have no problem coming together, but, but just, just don't put me on live stream because my boss may see me shouting. Don't, don't put me on live stream because there's people I'm trying to, you know, like get the business deal with, and I don't want them to see that I go to crazy church. Okay? You may hide in who you voted for. But you can't hide in who you stand for. Vaccinated or unvaccinated may not be anybody else's business. But redeemed is a public testimony. I lost my claps on that one. Hallelujah. And we've, we've, we've moved into covert Christianity. And we want to be assassins for crisis for Jesus. We're, we're Christian assassins for Christ's sake. We're not going to tell anybody about our faith, and then we wonder why nobody's coming to faith. I do not want to get to heaven and wonder why people didn't make it, and then Jesus goes, because you didn't do it. We're the gathering of gather out of our homes into public. Watch this. Look at, look at, look at the definition. And given legal power. You've been given legal power because you're a citizen. Everything in this citizen's constitution is your right as a citizen. All of the Bill of Rights in this citizenship is yours to not only have but to enact. You and I have been given legal power to pass legislation and to create action for the purpose of dominion over cultural issues, over crisis, over areas, over peoples, and over subjects in our day. You and I, because of our citizenship and because of the Bill of Rights that we've been given, are there to infect legislation and create action to move it into the place where our King is Lord. Oh, wait a minute. Well, they made decisions. Yeah, they made decisions, but we're the ones with the power. I asked the Lord, I said, help me, help me, help me, Holy Spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit. How do I, how do I communicate this concept? And he said, oh, that's easy, prompting in my heart. Oh, just talk about an embassy. If you've ever been to another country, in, in every country that, that the United States has, has an agenda or a partnership with, they have an area in that country called an embassy. Okay? It's an embassy. In other words, it's in Iraq. But the moment you cross the borders of the embassy, you may be in the nation of Iraq, but you have now just stepped in to your, your home citizenship, and all of the governing rules of the United States overshadows anything that happens in Iraq. 
The story of Benghazi that happened just a few years ago is a great indicator that when it all hit the fan, all of the citizens ran to the embassy for protection because they knew if they could get to the place where the United States had dominion, then they had a chance of surviving what was happening in Benghazi. But if they were going to stay outside of the embassy, then they were going to have to fend and fight for themselves. But the moment they crossed the barricades, they crossed the barricades and they got behind the fence, then all of the weapons, all of the legislation, all of the power, and all of the authority of the United States was now at the forefront to protect the citizens of the United States. They were in Benghazi, but they were not of Benghazi. Well, Pastor, that's a bad illustration because they all died. I'm not talking about earthly citizenship. Because when I get into the borders of Ecclesia, and I am an ambassador of Christ, then all of heaven and all of heaven's authority is the thing that is protecting me. And I don't know how you feel, but I'm reminded of the kind of protection I got. The Bible says in Isaiah that Jesus has gone before me, making my crooked path straight. My Bible tells me that if God be for me, who can be against me? In other words, God's got my back. I've got the third person of the triune Godhead dwelling on the inside of me. I got Jesus before me, God's got my back, and I got the Holy Ghost on the inside of me. The Bible tells me that the angels of the Lord are encamped around about those that believe Jesus has gone before me, God's got my back. I got the Holy Ghost on the inside of me and I got angels that are encamped around about me that every promise that comes from God is yes and amen and is a steadfast sure foundation Jesus has gone before me God's got my back I got the Holy Ghost on the inside angels encamped around about me and I'm standing on the immutable unchanging promises of God the Bible also tells me like Job that there is a hedge of protection that are built about those that are in the beloved I I want you to know Jesus has gone before you. God's got your back. Holy Ghost on the inside. Angels encamped around about you. Standing on the promises. A hedge built about you. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. And for everything else, I have been covered by the blood of Jesus. That's why no weapon formed against me is able to prosper. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so this morning. Somebody ought to give him praise because you're running into the assembly. You're running in. You're a citizen of heaven. Ah. For dominion. I'm not there to take it. I'm not there to put up with it. But God has given me the power to create legislation. Ah. I'll build my church. Here it is. And the gates of hell the one I'm building gates can't stop. The church that is under me that I'm building hell can't do anything about it. Well, pastor, I just, you know, how do I know that it's a church that's under God? Well, 
Look at the text. You know you're in the church that Jesus is building when hell is continually losing. Come on. Hell is always losing. Always losing. Sometimes it's through salvation. Sometimes it's through deliverance. Sometimes it's through transformation. Sometimes it's through breakthroughs. Sometimes it's through strongholds being put down. But you know continually, that's a loss for hell. That's a loss for hell. That's a loss. Hell lost another one. Hell lost another one. Hell lost another one. Hell lost another one. another Hell lost. When hell is losing, you know Jesus is building. When hell is restricted and heaven is unleashed. Huh. When hell is contained and the spirit is free, you know you're in a place that Jesus is building. I'm going to make three statements. Those of you that are taking notes, you can write these down. Those of you that are not taking notes, you can still write these down. <laughs> Fill in the blank on our app if you're following along the sermon notes on our app. Hear me. A church under God is offensive in function. I need to hear me. It is offensive in function. Well, pastor, we just don't want to offend anybody. Well, I do. I do. I, I want you to walk out of here and the hell that has been assigned against you is offended. I want hell to be ticked off because of the church you attend. I want hell to have a conversation. We got to get her out of here. Because she's going to find out who she really is. We got to get that family out of here because the call of God that is on that little boy's life is going to be fostered and cultivated, and he's going to be the next Billy Graham. We got to get, oh, I, listen, we got to find a reason to get them up out of here. I want hell to be offended. I want everything that is a sign that is hellacious in your life to be so frustrated by the fact you got up again on this Sunday and drove that far again on this Sunday and heard from that preacher again. On, I want hell to be mad. At the church that you're part of the stones of. How can, oh God, how can he be, mm, can I say it the way I want to say it? Can I say it the way I want to say it? You can't post what I'm about to say. How in the world can we have a rock big enough for the God to build his church on when nobody in the rock has any stones? Don't you post it. At some point, the church in function is offensive. You shall know the and the shall set bound people get free when the document of heaven gets unleashed. This is why hell gets offended. Well, we just. We just want to be a church that's open to everybody. I want to be a church that is open to every person. I don't want to be a church that's open to every spirit. And I want there to be enough Holy Spirit that whatever spirit comes in here, by the time it's, it's cast out, by the time the service is over. Well, 
Pastor, I don't know now. You know, okay, fine, fine. Go to a church that is spirit-filled, but for you to have a spirit-filled, you got to go into another room. The devil is a lie. I ain't going to have a room for the Holy Spirit. We're going to give spirit holy room. The Holy Spirit, the whole room belongs to the Holy Spirit. And if he wants to manifest, maybe your children need to see a demon-possessed person get delivered. Then they won't live like hell. It scared the heaven into me. Okay. It also scared something out of me. (laughs) It is offensive by nature. Truth in love, of course. Undergirded with grace, of course. But it's still truth. Let me ask you a question, okay? Let me ask you a question. I, I was talking to one of my, we had a, had a meeting with one of my elders on Friday. We were having this conversation about just, just how petty the church has become. Just petty, just petty, just petty. And I said, let me ask you a question, because we don't want to be offensive. You suspect you have cancer in you. And you go to a doctor. The doctor, based upon all of his studies and all of the, te- the battery of tests that he puts you through, surmises that there's cancer in you. But he didn't want to be offensive. So you sit down with him and he goes, now listen. I haven't lived long enough to really have the full scope of what cancer is. And and I, I don't, let me spend the first 10 minutes apologizing for what I'm about to say. Y'all ain't been to that church? When they're gonna tackle a tough issue but they spend 15 minutes apologizing for tackling it? I, I don't know for sure Because I'm not God, and you know, God's the healer, so I'm not one to judge. But it's possible that maybe, let's not call it cancer, let's call it inconvenience, let's call it tooth decay of your bones. But, but listen, I, I don't want to be offensive, but, but just, it, it, I don't know, because, and I can't say it on TV because then it'll be blasted on YouTube. And you hit me with the news media, but I can't call it what it is because if I say cancer, there are people that don't believe it's cancer, and because they don't believe it's cancer, they may stop giving to my ministry. So I'll just say it's, it's a struggle. But who am I to say? You know, I, I don't want to be offensive. Let me tell you something. Every one of you, if you have a doctor that is not willing to tell you it's cancer and is not willing to tackle the fact that it's cancer and is not willing to give you a proactive strategy for how to deal with cancer, you best believe he ain't cutting on me. You best believe I will go get another opinion. 
And I will find out what's really going on because I'm not interested in dying for something I can be healed over. I'm not, in, you don't hear what I'm saying. I'm not interested. I will, if you know what it is, tell me what it is. And then I'll decide whether I'm going to go through the process of being cleaned or not. But it's my decision to make. Somebody's got to tell me the truth. And we're so busy not living offensive that we're always defensive. Have you ever gone into that church? Everybody's defensive. This is, part of, this is part of the reason why I say the things I say the way I say them. Because you can't stay here very long if you're just defensive by nature. You just can't do it. Because I'm, I'm going to say it and you're going to be like, oh my God, I can't believe he said that. Oh my God. I, now there's sometimes I think, sit there and go, oh my God, I can't believe I said that. But at the end of the day, listen, there is such a mandate on, on pastors, okay? The Bible says that when we all stand before the, right, uh, the, the white throne judgment, that, that there is an, a higher accountability for every pastor that rightly divides the word of God. To the point to where the, the, the apostle Paul said it this way, that you'll stand there and blood will be dripping from your hands because of the accountability. When you and I stand before that white throne judgment and Jesus looks at you and says, why did you or why didn't you? What you're not going to do is roll over there and go, he never told me it was cancer. He told me it was an issue. He told me it was my vice. He told me that it was my weight that so easily besets me. But he never told me that he, it had to be cut out. It had to be removed. It had to be thrown as far as the east is from. I'm not, we're not going to sit up there and you're going to point the finger at me. And then I got blood dripping from my hands because I was too afraid to tell you it was cancer. And any of you, I know some of you do. I know you got a strong mama. You don't have a chance. Y'all don't have a chance. Strong mama. Your mama tell you like it is. With a smile on her face and will not apologize if you get upset. My grandma look at me and go, you can die unhappy if you want to, but this is the truth. You're going you to get over it or you're going to die unhappy. Because it's important to let truth be truth so that the lie can be exposed. A church is offensive in function. Not offensive to people. Offensive to the spirit that's trying to steal, kill, and destroy that person. And if the Holy Spirit in you is offended, that's another thing. But if the hell spirit that's trying to destroy you is offended, good. How are we going to deal with the racial divide in our nation if nobody has enough living stones to confront it? Come on. I got a little close there, didn't I? Yeah, it's close to being inappropriate. Pray for me. Oh, she said amen. I'm going to keep going. Here we go. <laughs> no, number two, number two, a church under God is more focused on t taking ground than keeping it. Yeah. Hear me today. We all want to protect. We all want to protect. What's mine? It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. It's not mine. It's his. My money is his. My marriage is his. My children are his. This ministry is his. This message is his. This gift is his. My life is his. I am bought with a price. 
I cannot be focused on trying to keep mine. That's the great sin of David. Great, David's greatest sin was not Bathsheba. It was when he decided to count his men. And there were thousands of men that died because he got too arrogant. But you and I must be focused on taking ground for the kingdom, not trying to keep it and protect it. We are offensive by nature, not living in defense. This is why Matthew eleven twelve 12 says, For the kingdom of heaven, it suffereth violence, and the violent... Uh, most of us are taking it when we should be taking it. Most of us are putting up with it when we should be taking it. The kingdom of heaven, it suffers violence. I got wrinkles I never had before because I'm fighting like I never fought before. And my knees are tired than they've ever been before because I'm warring like I've never been before. But I am going to take it by force. It's unacceptable. And most of us are taking it when we should be taking it. That's why Jesus said, if you're going to pray, pray like this, Matthew 6, 10. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. I need heaven's agenda to be unleashed in my every day. Here's why. Because heaven is my homeland. Oh, I feel a hanky coming on me now. Heaven is my homeland. I have a builder and a maker who is God. I need you to know that what Andre wrote years ago is still true soon and very soon, y'all. We're going to see the king. I'm telling you, it, there's nothing else that needs to happen except for the trump of God to sound. And then the dead in Christ are going to be, y'all don't hear what I'm saying? There's come, I'm ready to go home. This place is not my home. I'm here to be an ambassador of heaven's agenda until he beckons me to come. So, come on, Christian. Great. The church he builds is offensive. It is only offense by nature. It's focused on taking ground. Listen, can I, can I say this the way I want to say it? Buckle up. Here we go. You ready? I'm so sick of COVID. I'm so sick of the convenience that COVID has created. People don't have to fulfill ministry anymore. People don't have to function in ministry anymore. We don't have to do anything. Oh, well, I'm just, it's, I'm going to go to Laurenburg. You ready? Bull butter. That's a bunch of bull butter. Ask me later what bull butter is and I can tell you. It's bull butter. It's what it is. This week, tonight, I got dinner with our missionaries from Tanzania. They rescue women off the streets of prostitution, put them into their home, teach them micro-businesses so they learn how to sell their gift, not their body. Happening tonight, we, we're taking it. We're getting back. We're taking it. We're not going to take it anymore. Uh, email this week, back in feeding the minute, feeding ministry under the bridge on Saturdays. We're going back to feeding in the streets again. Well, what about this? Well, let me tell you something. If I die on the streets serving the least of these and get COVID and I die from it, then I'm going to have to assume that Jesus wanted that to happen. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm going to be about my father's business. 
This week, Room in the Inn, which is the homeless ministry, we bring them in on the win- during the winter months to keep them out of cold. We're bringing them back in. We're bringing them back in this year. They're opening up the ministry again. I said, let's go. I'm ready to take it. It's time for us to get back and stop being defensive and get back being offensive. Listen, if you don't want to come back to church, you can stay there and watch. But I'm going in the highways, and we're going in the hedges, and we're compelling them. Compelling them to come back in. Some of us have too much calling. And we've been sitting for too long. It's time to take it. That's why we're building. That's why we're building. They're telling me that, that the, the economy is about to implode and that the, all this stuff is rising and inflation is at by the time and you can't even buy a piece of, uh, what's that board? plywood. You can't even buy a piece of plywood anymore. I said, look, Lowe's ain't building this church. Jesus is. He made every tree that the plywood comes from. He'll figure it out. He'll figure it out. So how? Okay. Look at this. And the gates of hell. See, hell is not offensive. Gate is a barrier and a border. To keep something out and something in. Hell is not chasing you. It's stationary. It's a gate to keep something out and to keep something in. But look at 19. Uh-oh. But I've given, everybody say me. I've given you the to the kingdom. What kingdom? Every kingdom. Well, Pastor, I don't believe that's the case. Fine. When he went into hell, the Bible says he took the of and I've given you the so hell has gates. But because I'm a citizen, my king gave me the keys. And whatever I bind, whatever I restrict is restricted. And whatever I permit is permitted. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. That the things that hell is doing to my life is because I have either permitted it or I have restricted heaven from invading over it because hell's got a gate but the kingdom has the keys I need you to make the last statement for every hellish gate in your life there is a kingdom key to lock and unlock for every hellish gate that is in your life there is a kingdom key to lock and unlock the question is are you going to lose what needs to be loose or are you going to find what needs to be bound is in our hands stand with me all over the room hey
you and I have been given the keys. Hang on just a second. First Peter, St. Petro, is now writing in chapter 4. Look at this. For the time has come. Verse 17. For the time has come for judgment. To begin where? Most people read that and go, well, that, that's talking about God judging me. No. He's talking about for you to make legal declarations of what is permissible and what is restricted. And I want you to edict it from inside the embassy. Oh, it's inside the embassy that I tell the devil, you can't have my marriage. It's inside the embassy that my children will not walk with that disability. They will not carry that label, that, that whatever doctor put on them. It, inside the embassy, where, oh God, where the law of heaven is the only law of the land. Decisions are made based upon his bill of rights. Not where we're in because of where we're of. It's time for judgment. And I was praying for you, finishing up my notes on Friday. Holy Spirit reminded me of Matthew 11. John the Baptist, the one who declared him to be the lamb slain before the foundations of the world, is now on the brink of being destroyed, beheaded. And he tells him, he says, I want you to go ask Jesus a question. Are you the one or should we look for another? Well, you identified him in the beginning. And now you're in crisis, and you're the one with the question. That's okay. When they asked Jesus, Jesus said, you go tell them the lame are walking, the dumb are speaking, the dead are being raised. He made a decision in that moment that even though I'm in crisis, he's still the one question I have for you and me today first judgment we're going to have to make is Jesus still enough he was enough for you to get up and come in here today for but for every single person in this room is he enough for you to live single the rest of your life for those of you asking God to let you have children is he enough even if you never get to have a child through natural birth for those of you who believe in God to heal your cancer, if he doesn't heal your cancer in the way you think he should, is he still enough? If you never hit the lottery, is he still enough? If you never get out of that apartment, is he still enough? Though he slay me, do you still have a yet trust in you? first decision we have to make because see if you're not convinced that he's king you won't be convinced that his rules apply if you'll question his authority you'll question his power but how many of you know he is the king of every king he's the lord of every lord then I want you to take the next 45 seconds and let the redeemed of the lord 
say so. I want every living stone to be a Petra, to be a rock that would cry out in praise right here. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness. Somebody lift those hands and say, Jesus, Jesus, silence fear. Silence fear. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. We say, Jesus, Jesus, silence fear.
understand today before we leave. This is not a battle between Jesus and Satan. He is omnipotent. He is omnipresent. He is omniscient. He is undisputed, undefeated. He has never been. In, he is in a class all by himself. There is no one besides the Lord. And anybody, that ain't even a discussion. The battle is between his church and the kingdom of darkness. Well, you say, Pastor, I don't understand. He's the head of the church. He is. But you know what? Your brain can tell your hand to do a lot of things, but until your hand activates, all it is is conceptual. And God has limited himself in the fact that he's trying to now work in the earthly realm through the people that are his hands and feet extended. And if you and I will not activate, what he has decreed will never come into fruition. Your mind can tell you to grab that drink, but until your hand activates, it will never happen. And God is calling this house to activation. Okay, he's not calling that wall and that wall and that wall and that wall and this table to activation. He's calling Petra to activation. He's calling you and he's calling me. I'm just a Petra. I'm the little stone. You and I together, when we come into agreement, it's a foundation like Moses who wanted to see the glory of the Lord. The father comes down and says, no man can see my face and live. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock. And I'm going to let my glory pass before you. And I want you to know today that if the glory of the Lord is ever going to be released in this earth, it's because we built him a cliff to walk into this city on. It's time for you and I to take it. And I know some people can't handle this kind of preaching. But this kind of preaching ain't for those kind of people. The violent. Why don't you just reach up into the heavenlies and we pull down every stronghold in our city in the name of Jesus. We pull down every stronghold in our neighborhood in the name of Jesus. We pull down every stronghold in this zip code in the
<laughs> oh, somebody just put the key of praise in. Somebody just unlocked in the key of praise. That's what, yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody needs to put the key of praise in. Oh, God. Somebody needs to use the key of praise. I had to preach this message to me before I ever preached it to you. You hear me? You hold me accountable. You hold me accountable. You ever start hearing personality more than presence? You gonna put me in check, Pastor? Are you building his church or yours? When I start saying about finances more than faith, Five billion dollars is the projection. But when I start preaching finances more than faith, when you start hearing money more than stewardship, you come put me in check. I'm holding myself accountable to you. We're in this journey. I'm just, I'm a little stone too. I'm a little stone too. But Petra, hey, the kingdom's got to have you. The kingdom's got to have you. Well, Pastor, I'm wounded. The wounded you is better than the absent you. I'm broken. I would rather have the chip you than the missing you. Because we're building something for the king of glory to come in on. Who is this king of glory? <laughs> oh, God. He's the Lord strong and mighty. He's the Lord that is mighty in battle. No gate can hold what the king is trying to do through this ministry, through this house. Anybody grateful for Jesus? Come on, give him one last praise right here. That's the best you got? That's the best you got? I want you to leave praise in me today. Jesus. Be, be seated for, for just a minute or two. Just a minute or two. We're getting ready to close. Before we do, we've got so many things that are kingdom related that are happening. Listen. Hey, Judah family. It's nice to have you with us today. Now, what do you think about our sermon series, Wiser Things? I don't think that I've ever heard a series. I've heard the scripture before, but I don't think I've ever heard a series just on this. It's a little creepy crawly, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's amazing to me how God speaks to us through his word in Amen. so many different ways. I just want to take an opportunity. Maybe if he's speaking to your heart this morning, maybe you're feeling uh, a tug back into the role of being a believer. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ before and you feel like that's something you need to do. We can do that right now. All you have to do is pray. All you have to do is admit that you're a sinner, accept that Jesus came and died for those sins and then believe that he's taken them away. And once you do that, 
you're a believer. So just right now, let's pray and, and pray that prayer. Say, Jesus, I know I've done wrong. I know I need you in my life. Save me, Lord. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior. I want to follow you. In the name of Jesus, amen. That's all it takes. So glad that you've made that decision this morning. What an awesome, awesome decision you've made. Uh, do us a favor, if you did make that decision, just leave a comment down below or just email info at judachurch.org and say, I accepted Christ this morning. I also want to encourage you to make sure that you're given, make sure that you're tithing, and make sure that you're given if this is the body that you pour into and if you're if you're truly family and part here. Uh, the Lord will bless you. Let me encourage you to step past fear, to step back uh, the, the common sense way and just choose to stand on the Lord's biblical principles and scriptures that said that's what we need to do. There's a lot of ways to give. You can text to give. You can pay on our app. You can also mail it in or you can give it into the stewards uh, stations if you're here with us throughout the week. Hey Judah, if you've been coming for a while or been watching us online and want to get connected or learn more about our vision, Growth Track is your next step. Our four-week classes, they happen at 9.15 a.m. during our first worship service. For more information, visit our Judah Church app or to sign up as well. We're excited to see you there. Hey, Judah family. Do you, a family member, or even a coworker, need some spiritual encouragement or guidance? Well, this summer, we have our daily devotionals out here in the foyer. It includes devotionals for June, July, and August. So make sure you swing by and grab one. Before we go today, we just want to bless you uh, with the blessing of this house. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 11. May God, the Lord of your fathers, make you a thousand times more than what you are and fulfill every promise that He's given you. We love you. We'll see you next week. Bye, family.